The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Betza has been dedicated anonymously of Meir Ben Esther. Amen. Amen. Masechet Betza has been dedicated as well Amen. We bless our anonymous sponsor that Bezat Hashem he should be blessed with Arichut Yamim, health, Oshir, Veoshir, Vechavod, and Bezat Hashem should be Zocher in the near future to raise a family uh, and continue all his good work for the community. Amen. Today's daf is being studied, Le'alunishmat Abraham ben Esther. Amen. We begin today's daf on Ted Vav Amud Rishon, and we will start four lines from the top. We continue to discuss one more halacha in the laws of Kilayim, in the laws of Shatnez. And the Gemara says, Amar Serare is a bag. Defshite is coins. It seems the bag was made out of a material that had wool and linen. Now they used to take the bag, fill it with coins, and they put it in their pocket. So the Gemara says, even though it's a wool and linen mixture, it's not subject to the laws of Kilayim. Why? Because when they put the coins in the bag, the coins make the bag hard and therefore makes it stiff, and therefore it doesn't give himum, it doesn't cause the body to become heated. The bizraneh, however, the same bags, if you use for seeds, bizraneh, bizr, it's seeds, yesh mishum kilayim, it is subject, because again, the bag will provide warmth. The seeds don't make it hard. amar whether it's the pishite or whether it's the bizrane, whatever you're putting in these bags, there's no problem of kilayim. Because that is not the normal manner of warming oneself. Now the Gemara goes further. We learned in the Mishnah that it's forbidden to send a spiked sandal to one's friend on Yom Tov. So the Gemara says, Sandal hamsumar What's the reason why the sandal that has the spikes may not be sent? Because of the story that happened. The Gemara on Shabbat relates a ma'aseh, uh, that uh, the Jewish people were hiding underground in a cave from the enemies, and they thought that the enemies were approaching, so they all scurried out of the cave, and they trampled each other with these sandals that had spikes on them. And therefore, the hachamim forbade to wear these spike shoes on Shabbat and on Yom Tov. And therefore, uh, one may not send them. So Kavli Gemaran says, Amar sandal hamsumar, regarding this sandal with the spikes, asur lena'alo. The rabbis forbade wearing it on Yom Tov. However, they do allow you to move it. It's not mukseh. 
Because bottom line, it says the dina very clearly. And therefore, for example, if a person needed to move it, the tzorek gufo or the tzorek mekomo, meaning he needs to use the shoe for something else, another permissible item, or he needs the place where the shoe is, it is permissible and it is not mukseh. So the Gabbara says, Asul na'alo mishu ma'aseh shaya. The reason why it's forbidden to wear it is because of ma'aseh shaya, like we mentioned. Mutale taltelo. How do we know that it's not mukseh? Medeketani, from the fact that the Mishnah says, En meshalechin. It says that one is not allowed to send it as a gift. En meshalechin. Because if you wanted to tell me that it's forbidden, meaning it's if it's forbidden to move it, because of mukseh, goes without saying that you can't send it. So from the fact that the Mishnah said it's only asur to send it, it's mashma that it itself is non mukseh. So otherwise, the Mishnah would have said that it's asur taltel. From the fact that it says asur shloach. That means l'shloach is asur, but the taltel is mutar. Come together and continues below. tafur. We said that a shoe that was unsewn, since it's not befitting to wear, one cannot send it to his friend on yom tov. So the gemara says peshita. Of course, it has no use. Non etzecha dafagav denakit besiche. Because we're talking about a case where the shoe is attached with little wooden pegs. And therefore, I might have thought that those wooden pegs make the shoe viable. Kamash ma'alam, that still, it is not uh, wearable, and therefore you cannot send it. Rabbi Yudah Omer, Rabbi Yudah said that you cannot send a white shoe. So the Gebarat says, we explained why, because in the olden days they wouldn't wear white shoes. They would have a uman, a craftsman, come and blacken it. So therefore, since it's not ra'ui to wear as is, it's a sur to send. Tanya Rabbi Yehuda matir b'shachor. Rabbi Yehuda permits uh, to send a black shoe. Now, we're talking about a shoe over here that's black, but it's not totally black. And therefore, he's lenient even though it's not fully black. Ve'osir b'lavam. However, he prohibits to send a white shoe. Because you need a clump of earth. It seems there was a certain clump of earth that was used as a blackening agent. And therefore, a white shoe is not ra'ui because you need the betzat hagir, the clump of earth. Rabbi Yoseh says even a black shoe that's not totally finished, you cannot send because even after you polish it, sorry, even after you shine it and make it black, there was still a process needed to smoothen it. So until it's smoothened, it's going to be asur. So now the Gemara says, which it seems now we have a mahlukah between the Biuda and the Yosef. Whereas the Biuda says you can send a blackened shoe, even though it's not finished. And the Biyoseh says it's a sur. So the Gemara says there's no argument. Mor ki atre, umor ki atre. Each rabbi was talking about the custom in his place. Be'atre de mor. In the place of the Biyuda that said it's mutar. Besra letahat. Literally the flesh of the side of the hide was facing inside the shoe. Which means 
when they would uh, take the hide that was attached to the animal. So there's different, uh, there's the top of it and there's the bottom of it. So it seems the top part where the hair is does not need smoothing. But the bottom part that's attached to the flesh needs smoothing. So therefore the Gebara says it all depends on how they used to make the shoes. Again, in the place of the place of the hide that was attached to the flesh was facing down, so it wasn't seen. And therefore, you didn't need to smoothen the top. Therefore, it was mutat descended. Whereas in the place of Rabbi Yosef, the flesh side was facing up, and therefore, since it wasn't smoothed, therefore, it was going to be asur, because it's not considered complete. Comes the Gemara and continues. We learned in the Mishnah, Anything that may be used on Yom Tov, you can send it. So the Gemara now says, Rav Sheshat Shara Lehud Rabbanan, Rav Sheshat permitted the rabbis, the Shedure Tefillin He allowed to send Tefillin on Yom Tov. Amar Abaye. So Abaye says, what do you mean? Ve'anantenan, we learned in the Mishnah, which means whatever you may be used on Yom Tov, you can send. But the filin you don't wear on Yom Tov. So how could you tell me you're allowed to send it? So the Gebra says, Now this is what the Mishnah means. Anything that may be used even on a weekday, you may send it on Yom Tov. And it was since Tefillin, Arda'ui, during the week. So therefore, you can send it even on Yom Tov. So you have to read the Mishnah. Kol shene'otin bo, mean anything that may be used. And then read into that during the week. The Yom Tov means you can send it on Yom Tov. And therefore, since Tefillin can be worn during the week, you could send it on Yom Tov. The only question then is, we go back to the Sandal Hamsumar. We learned that the sandal hamsumar, the spike shoe, was forbidden to wear on Yom Tov. But you were allowed to wear it during the week. So the Chaurai should be allowed to send the spike shoe, even though it's forbidden for the day, but it's permissible during the week, based on this rule. So that she answers this question and says that if you would allow them to send the spike shoe on Yom Tov, the people would misinterpret and think that you're allowed actually to wear it as well on Yom Tov. And that indeed is asur. Masha'enken, in the case of the tefillin, even if a person would wear tefillin on Yom Tov, while he doesn't have to wear the tefillin, it's not an isur. So therefore, again, we would not send the sandalam sumat, even though it is usable during the week, because it would send the wrong message. The people would think that it's permissible to wear it as well, if they're getting it as a gift. And therefore, sandalam sumat is going to be unequivocally asur. Amar said tefillin, since the subject of Tefillim has come up in the Beit Midrash, let me say a hadush about them. A person, let's say, was on the road. It was, let's say, Arab Shabbat. And he was wearing the Tefillim. And all of a sudden, he notices that the sun is setting. They're really not supposed to wear Tefillim on Shabbat. So it says, 
a person he can put his hand over the tefillin until he reaches his house. Which means, once he gets to his house, then he can take the tefillin and he can take them off and put them in his house. Now, the reason why he has to cover his tefillin is so the people will not see him wearing them. Because really, carrying wearing tefillin would be a problem of hotza'ah. And therefore, the logic would be that since... Well, actually, let's read Rashi. Let's read Rashi, where he says, Maniyah yado alehim. Rashi says, Maniyah yado alehim, shelo yirum. So we don't want people to see him. Vachachamim hetiru lo, lachnisam la'ir derech malbush. The rabbis, however, allowed you to bring it into the city while wearing them. Diyar barak al-achar Because since... You are not allowed to wear tefillin on Shabbat, so the wearing them is considered not the normal transport, transporting of them. So it's habadak lachaviad or mishum bezayon for the bezayon of the tefillin. The hachamim were lenient. So again, the first thing is if a person's wearing his tefillin and he comes home, he's walking home, and it's ready. The sun sets. Halachas says you should cover his uh, tefillin and continue walking until. Until he gets home. The Gemara gives a second case. Haya Yosheh Bebet HaMidrash. A person was sitting in the Bet HaMidrash. Utfilin Berosho. And he had a tefillin on his head. Erev Shabbat. V'kidesh ala avayom. And now the day of Shabbat came in. Again, Maniyach Yedu Alehen. Atshemagiyah Lebeto. He covers his hand over the tefillin. Again, and he's allowed to walk them home. Again, because we don't want them to be placed in Bizayon. So he can walk them home till he gets to his house. Mativ Ravuna Bered Ravuna Bered Ravika asks a question. It says, Haya ba baderech utfilin berosho. Which means a person was walking on the road on Erev Shabbat and the tefillin was on his head. And now the Shabbat came in. He put his hand over the tefillin until he gets to the house closest to the city wall. Which means you can't walk them all the way home to your house. You have to leave them in the house that's closest to the city wall and you deposit them there. The first statement said you could walk them all the way home. A person was in the Midrash. He puts his hands on his tefillin until he gets to the house that's protected closest to the Beit Midrash. So again, the question is, you allowed to walk the tefillin all the way home. But from this bright, that's mashma, you're only allowed to walk to the closest house by the beginning of the city. And not all the way home, with the closest house next to the Beit Midrash. So the Gebara says, to answer this question, <coughs> No question. It depends if the closest house is protected. If the closest house is protected, meaning if you take off the Tiflin and put them in the closest house, so the Tiflin will be guarded. So of course, why should you have to carry them a longer distance? However, we're talking about a case, the law Mintera. Meaning, if the if the 
closest house to the border of the city is unprotected, so then already we let you carry it all the way home. So that's the Gemara's initial answer. Had the mintera, if it's mintera, meaning protected, so take them off to the closest house. If that house is not protected, you could walk them all the way home. Gemara says, either no mintera. If we're talking about a case that's unprotected, my idiot Why did the Gemara have to give a case where the tefillin was on his head? Afilu mahtan The halacha says even if on Shabbat one finds tefillin lying on the ground in a place that's unprotected, you could actually put them on. So again, if it's talking about an unprotected area, why did Abaya limit the case if he was wearing them already? It should be a case, if it's not protected, he could even put them on if he found them. How do we know that? Because we learned the Masechet Erubin, the Hatinan, we learned in the Mishnah Motzeh, Tefillin, if a person finds several pairs of Tefillin, let's say in a field, Machnisan Zug Zug, he can bring them in to the city, one pair at a time, which means... You could keep on repeating this procedure until you get all the tefillin in. So the Gemara's question is, if it's lo mintera, so seemingly it should be permissible, seemingly it should be permissible even to wear them lechetachila. So the Gemara answers, la kashya. No question. Ha de mintera machmad ganave u machmad kalbe. The writer that said, put the tefillin in the closest house to the end of the city, it's talking where that house will protect the tefillin from Gennave thieves and from dogs. Whereas according to um, Abayeh that said you could take the tefillin to one's home, it's talking about where the closest house, while it protects it from dogs. But it's not going to protect it from thieves. So again, now the Gemara is making a chiluk. The Gemara is saying, if the house that's closest to the city, if it can be protect the tefillin from ganaveh, from thieves, and from kalbe, from dogs, then of course one should deposit the tefillin in that place. However, if the closest uh, house by the end of the city can only protect the tefillin, from dogs, but not from thieves, so then already you can go all the way home. So the Gemara says, why would I think otherwise? Which means I would say that most thieves in that area are Jews, and they're not going to desecrate the tefillin, if you leave it in the closest house. That you cannot rely on that. And therefore, in the closest house, if it's not protected from Gennavim, you cannot assume that Jewish thieves will not defile the tefillin. Therefore, you're allowed to take it all the way home. Now, let's read Rashi on the bottom. Vashmi'inan abayeh, Since it's not protected from thieves in the outer house, since they're on his head already, yolichim ad beto. However, if you found them on the floor, let's say, and they're protected from Kelabim and not from Gennavim, so there's a bigger leniency if a person is wearing the Tefillin already. 
If he's wearing the tefillin, so Abayeh gives him a dispensation to protect him from Kalbeh and Ganaveh. And therefore, he could walk it to the close, not to the closest house, but he could walk it all the way home. If the house closest to the end of the city does not provide it. If, they, for example, the house closest to the city only protects from Kalbeh. However, if you find tefillin on the floor, then already we're only lenient to put it in a place, uh, to wear them, take them to a place that is Nishmar from Kalbeh, but not Ganabeh. Well, actually, you weren't even allowed to move them. I take that back. But she says, but if you find them in a place that's protected from Kelavim, you shouldn't even pick them up, leave them there. So the dispensation is if you're wearing it, we're more lenient to take it to a place that's Nishmar from Kalbeh and Ganabeh. That's where you could walk it all the way home if the house on the outskirts does not provide both this protection and the Hadush is that even though I might think that the majority of the Ganavim are Jews and they won't defile the Tefidin, you have to suspect that they will and therefore you can take it all the way home. Hadran, Anach, And now we begin the second Perek of Masechet Betzah. Our Perek primarily discusses a case where Yom Tov comes before Shabbat. Hachamim forbade us to cook from Yom Tov to Shabbat. The Gemara will give us the reasons why it's Asur, and they necessitated the person to make an Eruv Tavshilin. And we will discuss what an Eruv Tavshilin is, and that will allow him to cook from Friday Yom Tov to Shabbat. So our Mishnah now is going to discuss the parameters of this Halakha. Yom Tov Shechaliyot Erev Shabbat. Yom Tov falls out on Friday. Yibashil B'techila Miyom Tov Shabbat. A person is not allowed to cook B'techila from Yom Tov to Shabbat. Aval Yibashil Hu Liyom Tov. He may cook for Yom Tov. V'im Hotir Hotir L'Shabbat. If he has leftovers, of course he can use the leftovers for Shabbat. Now he would not be allowed to do a trick, which is he cannot cook extra on Yom Tov, specifically knowing that he's going to use it for Shabbat. But if, by chance, he happens to have leftover food that he cooked on Friday Yom Tov, he can use it on Shabbat. Now, the Mishnah discusses now the Eruv Tavshir. Ve'osir Yom Tov. A person, let's say, can prepare a dish before Yom Tov, and he designates it as his Eruf Tavshirin, V'somech ala v'shabbat. And he can rely on this to cook from Friday, Yom Tov, to Shabbat. Bet Shammai omrim shnei Tavshirin. Bet Shammai says the Eruf has to consist of two cooked dishes. O Bet Elen omrim Tavshir echad. Bet Elen says it can even be one cooked dish. V'shavin, both agree. Bedag u'betzah With a fish. And let's say it has an egg spread on it. She'en shnei Tavshirin. That would be considered... Two cooked dishes. The Mishnah continues. If let's say somebody ate the Eruv before one made the preparations for Shabbat, or She'avad, or the Eruv got lost, lo alav So one may not cook for Shabbat. However, if there's a even a kolchehu, even any part of the Eruv Tavshin left intact. So the Shabbat. You can rely on it to cook for Shabbat. Comes the Gemara now and explains. 
what is the source for the halakha that you need in Yalif Tabshilin? Now again, it should be pointed out that she says, Lav davka mikra'eh Yalif. Even though the Gemara is asking minah nimileh, it's not looking for a biblical source that she says, the Arubeh Tabshilin, the Rabbanan. Because really the law of Aruf Tabshilin is only with the Rabbanan. This is the question. Where did the rabbis put their Simicha, uh, which means Asmachta? Where did the rabbis uh, find an allusion in the Torah to the concept of Eruf Tabshilin? So the Gebra says, Amar Shemuel. The Amar Keram, because the Pasuk says, Zachor et Yom HaShabbat lekadesho. Right? The Torah tells us they have to remember the Shabbat. Now, the simple explanation that the rabbis learned from this Pasuk, they learned the obligation of Kiddush. Zochreu bedevarim. That you have to make Kiddush. That's how you remember the Shabbat. But the Gemara makes a different derashan. says, Zochreu me'acher sheba lehashkicho. Remember the Shabbat from something that will try try to make you forget the Shabbat. So Torah is going out of its way and saying, listen, you have to remember the Shabbat from a case where the Shabbat will be in danger of being forgotten. Rashi on the fourth line. So, Shabbat when Yom Tov falls out on Friday, Karov Shabbat Well, Shabbat is close to being forgotten, Mahmat Yom Tov. Why? Because everybody's eating excessively on Yom Tov. And the people are not going to leave any food over for the Shabbat. So that's, hey, you got to remember the Shabbat. When you start preparing foods from before Yom Tov for Shabbat, that'll cause you to remember the Shabbat. The only reason why we tell you to make the Eru before Yom Tov is so you'll be reminded that don't get lost in the Yom Tov Remember to save some food for the Shabbat. So again, Zachor, it's Yom Shabbat. How do you remember the Shabbat? In light of a case where the Shabbat can be forgotten. And that's when Shabbat follows Yom Tov. So how do you remember it? You set up the Aruf Tavshidim, which will remind you not to use all your food and to save some food for Shabbat. So the Gebara says, What is the reason? Which means that she says, why did they establish or need the Eruv? The Pasuk is definitely not talking about the Eruv. The Pasuk is really coming to tell us a case of uh, Kiddush. So therefore, what's the real reason behind the, uh, uh, the Eruv? So the Gemara now is going to give two reasons. Kemara says, two rabbinical reasons. Amar Like we said, so he will remember to set aside a portion for the Shabbat and a portion for the Yom Tov. Since he has to establish the Eruf Tabshirin, he's going to remember that the Shabbat is following Yom Tov, and therefore he's not going to consume all this food on Yom Tov. He's going to set some food Aside, so again, Rabbah's reason is kavod Shabbat. We don't want a person to get lost in the Simchav Yom Tov and not leave any food over for Shabbat. So by making him an established eruv 
before Yom Tov, he'll remember that this is a situation where the Shabbat is following the Yom Tov, and therefore he will not eat all his food. Comes the, the Gemara gives another reason that Ashe Amar Shiyomeru. So the people will say, En ofimi Yom Tov le Shabbat. They'll say, Wow, you're not allowed to bake from Yom Tov to Shabbat. Kalbachomid mi Yom Tov le Hol. Or the more so, I cannot bake from Yom Tov to Hol. Which means if I cannot bake from Yom Tov to Shabbat, even the Chabot Shabbat, I cannot bake on Yom Tov. Koshekin, I cannot bake from Yom Tov to Hol. And therefore, you see that according to Rav Asher, the logic is Kavod Yom Tov. We don't want people to be Mizalzil by Yom Tov. So therefore, they're going to say, oh, they made me prepare a whole Eruv before Yom Tov to allow me to cook from Yom Tov to Shabbat. So certainly, I'm not going to be allowed to cook from Yom Tov to Hol. So it's really to preserve the sanctity of Yom Tov. So that's the Mahlok Tinava and Rav Asher. Tenan, we learned in the Mishnah. So we said, when do you prepare the Eruv? You prepare the Eruv from before Yom Tov. And you rely on that for Shabbat. According to Rab Asher, that said, the reason why you establish the Eruv Tavshilim is in order keep the sanctity of Yom Tov, which means, so the people will know that I had to start preparing, I made the Eruv Tavshim from before Yom Tov, so that will remind me that I'm not allowed to cook from Yom Tov to Shabbat. That's why I had to make the Eruv from before Yom Tov, to remind me that I have to start my preparations for Shabbat from before Yom Tov, to teach me that I cannot cook from Yom Tov to Shabbat, so I'll remember that I cannot cook from Yom Tov to Chol. That explains why the Eruv should be made before Yom Tov. That's why we establish the Eruv before Yom Tov. Yom Tov, no. But you don't establish it on Yom Tov itself. Which means, by establishing the Eruv of Yom Tov, it's as if I'm starting my Shabbat preparations of Yom Tov. So that will teach me that I cannot go from Yom Tov to Shabbat. I have to prepare from before. That will remind me the sanctity of Yom Tov. The Gebra says... But according to Ravah, that the whole reason is so I set aside food for Shabbat, so I keep the kavod of Shabbat. My Yom Tov. Why does the Mishnah say that I have to set the Eruv up from before Yom Tov? Let him set it up before he eats his holiday meal, which means before he sits down to eat on Yom Tov, let him set two tefshilin on the side, so he will be reminded not to eat all his food before Shabbat. So the Gebra says, you're right. According to Ravah, you'd really be allowed to set the Eruv Tavshin on Friday Yom Tov. The concern is that you might forget to do it. You're going to be so concerned and preoccupied in some hot Yom Tov, you might forget to set the Eruv up. And therefore, we make you set it on Eruv Yom Tov. So let's review. According to Ravah, the whole purpose of the Eruv is what? So I don't eat all my food. So I have leftovers, so I have some, uh, I rem- I'm reminded not to eat all my food, and I'll save some for Shabbat. So according to Rabbah, technically you could set the Eruv on Yom Tov before you sit down to eat, put two tefshinin on the side, so you remember Kabot Shabbat. Kabot says, you're right, but we just do that because he might forget to do it on Yom Tov, because he's going to be preoccupied in some Chayyum Tov. 
According to Rabbi Asher, it makes a lot of sense why you have to set the Eruv before Yom Tov, because the whole purpose of the Eruv is to teach me that I cannot cook from Yom Tov to Shabbat, therefore I have to start the cooking from Ere of Yom Tov. It would not be an option to prepare the Eruv on Yom Tov itself. Comes the Gemara and says, so this was the opinions of the Amoraim, Rava and Rav Asher. Vetana maiti la mehacha. There's a Tana that has a different source, different asmachta, for the purpose of Eruv Tavshili. And they learn it from, this Tana actually learns it from the Pasuk. Et asher tofu efu. Vet asher tebashelu bashelu. Torah over there is talking by the man. Right? The man that fell on Friday. It says, what needs to be baked, bake. What needs to be cooked, cook. But it seems there's a redundancy of language here. The Torah could just say, tofu ubashelu. What does it have to say? It asher if tofu efu. It needs to be baked, baked. It needs to be cooked, cooked. So the Gebarah says, Mikaan amar bi li'ezer. En ofin ela al ha'afui. Ve'en bebashelin ela al mebushal. It's coming to tell you that what? That you can only bake on Friday Yom Tov which means only stuff that you baked from before Yom Tov will allow you to continue baking on Yom Tov for Shabbat. And that which you have cooked from before Yom Tov Bashelu will allow you to continue cooking on Yom Tov. So therefore, from the double language, we learn the concept of Eruv Tavshilin. Again, from the fact that it says, Etasher Tofu Efu, which means what was baked from before Yom Tov, now you can continue baking on Yom Tov. Because it's as if you're continuing from Erev Yom Tov to cook for Shabbat. And that's the source for this Tanah. Now, the Gemara brings a Braita. Tarur Banan, we have a Braita. Ma'aseh berbi Eliezer. There was a story with Rabbi Eliezer. Shaya Yoshev v'doresh kol ha'yom kolo b'elchot Yom Tov. He was sitting at the Beit Midrash on Yom Tov, and he was learning and teaching the laws of Yom Tov. Yatsta katri shona. In the middle of the lecture, a group got up and left. Amar, he said, Halalu ba'ale pitasin. These people are the owners of barrels, which means they have barrels of kunditin, that spiced wine. And therefore, they're going home early so they can indulge in some hot yom tov. And they're giving up from the pleasures of Torah, and they're involving themselves in physical pleasures. Which means, since they're leaving early, he figured that they have a lot of wine to drink. And Baale Pitasin. When the second group left, Amar Halalu Baale Habiyot. These are the owners of kegs, which is smaller. Kachilishit. Amar Halalu Baale Chadin. These are the owners of jugs. Katribi'it, when the fourth group left, Amar, 
Halalu ba'ale laginin. These are the owners of flasks. Kat hamishit, when the fifth group left, Amar halalu ba'ale chosot. These people only have cups. They don't have so much wine. Hitheilu kat shishit laset. When the sixth group left, Amar halalu ba'ale me'era. This group is from the cursed people. Uh, they explain here the desolate. It's because by them leaving, now the study hall was empty. So they called them the desolate people. Now, there were some students that remained. Now, there's Natan, Enav, Batalbidim. So the Ezer looked at the remaining students. Their faces began to pale. They got nervous. They thought that maybe the Billy Ezzard was mad at them for maybe staying late and not going and having some hot Yom Tov. So they thought that when the Billy Ezzard criticized the sixth group, it was because they were staying late and not going home for some hot Yom Tov. So after the sixth group left, they thought the Billy Ezzard might be mad at them for also staying late and not going home for some hot yom tov. Amar lahem, he said, no, you misunderstood me. Banai, lo lahem ani omer. I'm not upset at you. Ela lahalalu shiatsu. I'm upset at the people that left. Shemanichim hayaolam. They're leaving the Torah, which brings eternity. Ve'oskim b'hayesha'ah. They're involved in temporary things, like eating and drinking. Bish'at petiratan amar lahem. Before the Bili Ezer left, he quoted the following pasuk to them. Lechu ichlu mashmanim, ushtu mamtakim. Go home and eat rich foods and drink sweet beverages. V'shilchu manot le'en nachonno. And send portions to those who are not prepared. Ki kadosh hayom ladonenu. Because today is sacred to Hashem. Ve'al ta'atzebu. Do not be melancholy or upset. Because the joy of Hashem is your security. Baruch Amen